In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
The Old Testament reading for Quinquagesima Sunday, nearly 50 days to Easter, is recorded in 1 Samuel 16. It is not the slaying of Goliath, that is next week's Old Testament, but rather the anointing of David as king over Israel. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. 
The epistle is recorded in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord.
the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Then it happened that as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and insulted, and spit upon. They will scourge him, and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There were many times that Jesus said to the disciples, Do you understand? And there were many times that their response was, yes, Lord, we, we understand. Most of the time when they said that, they didn't understand. It was wishful thinking at best. But when the Lord addresses such a question to you, who wants to say, no, we don't get it at all? Did you notice in all three readings today, not just the gospel for the day that has the miracle of the blind beggar receiving his sight, but the Old Testament and epistle as well talked about sight. In the Old Testament, Samuel was mourning the death of Saul, the death of his kingdom, he was still alive, and he was sent to Bethlehem to anoint a new king. And it wasn't Eliab, the firstborn, nor any of the other six sons after him, it was the youngest, the eighth born, who was out tending sheep. The Lord said to Samuel, after Eliab appeared before him, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then ironically, when this eighth born is chosen, he is described as handsome, ruddy, and good looking. So when the Lord said he doesn't judge by the outward appearance, that doesn't mean that he was going to choose an ugly man. But rather, the Lord looked at the heart. And David was a man after God's own heart. David knew the mercy of God, the love of God, the compassion of God. And it shaped so much of his reign as king. He was governed by grace. And in the epistle for today, we have that famous line, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. Those are the concluding verses of St. Paul's lovely depiction of agape love, which is the love of God that is his by nature. And 
We can hear the words, can't we? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I get it. I see what love is. But then when we are called to love in that way, our enemies, our persecutors, those who hate us or have offended us. Such love is nowhere to be seen in our lives. On the one hand, we see the love of God in Jesus. We see what St. Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13 in what our Savior does for us. But even then, we who have embraced the love of God, who have seen it in the gospel, yet cannot begin to fathom the height and the depth and the width of that love. It will not be until the last day when dim eyesight will give way to perfect clarity. Sight is a wonderful blessing. In the Bible, the miracle of sight is so often more than simply the ability to see physically. The miracle of sight is a metaphor for the greater miracle of faith. I see means I believe, I trust. Hanging from the cross, Jesus could see by faith the glory of his Father, even though his experience was only the blackness and the horror of death and condemnation. At the beginning of today's gospel, Jesus taught the disciples what is at the center of our faith as Christians, what is to be before our eyes, whether we are blind or have 20-20 vision. Jesus must go up to Jerusalem. He must be delivered to the Gentiles and be mocked and insulted and spit upon. He must be scourged and put to death upon a cross. But the third day, he will rise to life again. That's what faith believes. That is at the center of our faith, even though we may lay a loved one to rest in the grave and we see their lifeless body. But what we see through that death is the greater victory that is yet to come. St. Luke records that when the disciples heard this very clear proclamation of Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection, they understood none of it. They were blinded to the truth, even though they could see. Ironically, the blind beggar who could not see is the one who could see when the disciples who could see were actually the ones that were blind. Physical blindness is a bummer. No one enjoys being blind. In the case of this man, the blindness prevented him from working, from earning a living, or providing for himself. He was a beggar totally dependent upon people outside of himself to sustain his life and livelihood. But through the things that he suffered, 
this blind beggar learned to see greater truths. He learned the depth of his human need in a profound way, a way that sometimes eludes those who have everything in life, health and wealth and prosperity and a position, but are really blind. He learned how dependent he was upon the Lord. He learned the blessing of physical sight meant nothing. Without the sight of faith that looked to Jesus, his Redeemer, for his greatest need. We need to learn that lesson, too, in our lives. And learning that lesson often requires the accompaniment of suffering and hardship, sickness, or horrific grief. Suffering and death, as Jesus told the disciples, are not only central to God's plan of salvation, but they are also central to how God brings the miracle of faith, the miracle of spiritual sight to us. And this is called the theology of the cross. Sometimes we think that the suffering and death of Jesus was just something he had to get past to get onto the greater weight of glory. But that greater weight of glory in the resurrection was made possible in no other way but through his suffering and death that took away the cause of death, our sin. And so also for us, God accomplishes his greatest good through suffering and death. And when human reason is contradicted, the greatest lessons that I have learned about the faith, about the gospel, about the mysteries of God's word, were things that I learned and came to see in the context of bitter suffering. This is the light that not only enables us to see rightly, but it is the light through which God brings the comfort of Jesus' salvation into our lives. Martin Luther said, when God makes alive, he does it by killing. When he justifies, he does it by making men guilty. When he exalts to heaven, he does it by bringing down to hell. That sounds rather counterintuitive doesn't it? We don't want to face the reality of our sin. But it is necessary if we are to see our need and if we are to see rightly the gift of salvation in Jesus' suffering and death. The children of Israel were brought low by the things that they suffered or there would have been no repentance for any of them. Peter wept the bitter tears of contrition when he experienced his powerlessness to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. But such suffering was necessary so that the boast of the children of Israel or the boast of Peter and the other disciples would be put to death in order to make alive God puts to death. Believe it or not, we need the same experiences in our own lives. 
It is part of the reason why our life as Christians from the time of our baptism until we fall asleep in Jesus to await the resurrection is fraught with suffering because we're joined to the suffering of Jesus in our baptism. And through that suffering, we learn more deeply and come to see more clearly the gift of God's love. Without experiencing the blindness of our own lack of trust, we cannot begin to see the light of God's grace, which alone is sufficient for us and which makes us perfect in our weakness and gives us a strength which is beyond human comprehension. God's grace, his forgiveness, his undeserved love, his comfort, his peace, God's grace, is that he freely loves us in his son. And so we've sung recently, and we'll sing it again today, the words of Luther, God beheld my wretched state before the world's foundation, and mindful of his mercies great, he planned my soul's salvation. A father's heart he turned to me, sought my redemption fervently. He gave his dearest treasure. To confess that in the midst of the bitterest sufferings of our life is a miracle where blindness gives way to the spiritual sight of faith. Those words of Luther's hymn are a confession of this miracle of faith, that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts by the word of the gospel in the context of the things through which we suffer. This is what we find so hard to believe when we operate according to human reason. And yet it is true. How hard it was to believe for the disciples when they saw Jesus hanging from the cross that this was God's greatest good. Human reason cannot embrace this and accept this. Only spiritual sight given to the broken and the contrite in the miracle of faith. Just as Jesus' death upon the cross was necessary and the cause of the resurrection because it took away sin and brought death into our lives, so God must put us to death through the things that we suffer so that we embrace no one else but Jesus for our happiness, our comfort, and our life. While this blind beggar cried out to Jesus, we see in him the spiritual sight that he had been given even before the physical sight was restored to his eyes. Once he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth passing by, he could not be silent. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Shut up, quiet. Jesus, have mercy on me. He could see. He could see. And because he could see the grace of God in Jesus, he was undeterred. Over and over and over again, he prayed those words. He had no idea when his suffering would end. But he knew the one who would take his suffering away. He knew the one from whom he would receive life. 
The same is true for us. <laughs> nothing matters more for us in this life, on this side of the grave, absolutely nothing, than in the midst of our suffering, we embrace our suffering Savior. Another hymn you would do well to learn by heart is Jesus' priceless treasure. In the midst of suffering and torment and a bad conscience, the hymn writer says, In thine arms I rest me. Foes who would molest me cannot reach me here. Though the earth be shaking, every heart be quaking, Jesus calms my fears. Lightnings flash and thunders crash. Yet though sin and hell assail me, Jesus will not fail me. That's the miracle of spiritual sight. I cannot believe this by my own reason or strength. But the Holy Spirit calls me to this and calls you to this by the gospel. Yes, when God makes alive, he does it by killing. When he justifies, he does it by making men guilty. When he exalts to heaven, he does it by bringing down to hell. But what all this means is there will be resurrection from the dead. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well because the object of faith is Jesus alone. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Friends in Christ, I urge you all to lift up your hearts to God and pray with me as Christ our Lord has taught us and freely promised to hear us. God our Father in heaven, Look with mercy on us, your needy children on earth. Grant us grace that your holy name be hallowed by us and all the world. Through the pure and true teaching of your word and the fervent love shown forth in our lives, graciously turn from us all false doctrine and evil living, whereby your precious name is blasphemed and profaned. Lord, in your mercy. May your kingdom come to us and expand. Bring all transgressors and those who are blinded and bound in the devil's kingdom to know Jesus Christ, your son, by faith, that the number of Christians may be increased. Lord, in your mercy. Bless Abigail DePew, Kathleen Larson, Lynn Leiter, Ashlyn Lewick, and Doug Pond, celebrating baptismal birthdays this week that they may be preserved in the grace of their Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy. We give thanks to you for the gift of holy matrimony. Preserve Aaron and Janine Walentowski in the covenant of holy matrimony. Grant them to draw strength from the promises of love their Savior makes to them, that they may be faithful to each other. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O oh Lord, we commend Rolf Berenson with pneumonia, Tammy Haga, Cindy Hertz, Mary Ellen Nietzsche, Sharon Murphy, and Don Frederich recovering from surgery, Nicola Giordano's grandmother hospitalized with lung disease, all of those suffering with cancer, Tom Smith, John Willie, Luke Berenger, Jean Royce, 
and Gabby Hartwig, and those in hospice care, Alan Gable, Mark Tholney's Aunt Karen, and Beth Bender's godfather, Paul Nauman. Bring healing, renewed strength, length of days according to your will, but above all, under the cross of affliction and suffering, grant them your peace, Lord, in your mercy. Strengthen us by your spirit according to your will, both in life and in death, in the midst of both good and evil things, that our own wills may be crucified daily and sacrificed to your good and gracious will. Into your merciful hands we commend all for whom we pray and all who are in need, praying for them at all times, thy will be done, Lord, in your mercy. Grant us our daily bread, preserve us from greed and selfish cares, and help us trust in you to provide for all our needs. Lord, in your mercy. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us, so that our hearts may be at peace and may rejoice in a good conscience before you, and that no sin may ever frighten or alarm us. Lord, in your mercy. Lead us not into temptation, O Lord, but help us by your spirit to subdue our flesh, to turn from the world and its ways, and to overcome the devil with all his wiles. Lord, in your mercy. And lastly, O Heavenly Father, deliver us from all evil of body and soul, now and forever. Lord, in your mercy. We trust, O Lord, in your great mercy to hear and answer us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord our God, King of all creation. For you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Grant us your Spirit, gracious Father, that we may give heed to the testament of your Son in true faith, and above all, firmly take to heart the words with which Christ gives to us his body and blood for our forgiveness. By your grace, lead us to remember and give thanks for the boundless love which he manifested to us when, by pouring out his precious blood, he saved us from your righteous wrath and from sin, death, and hell. Grant that we may receive the bread and wine that is his body and blood as a gift, guarantee, and pledge of his salvation. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at his command and with his own words, we receive his testament. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
Let us pray. We give thanks to you, almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same, in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Welcome to the divine service. This morning, a couple of announcements to tend to. Lent comes early this year. It's this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. And as we have been doing in Advent and Lent of last few years, we will continue uh, to have three services, 8 a.m. Chapel is moved up a half an hour earlier, 2.30 in the afternoon, and 6.30 in the evening. So we will be in the Gospel of Mark, and we will be moving into the Passion of our Lord according to St. Mark, uh, and catechesis on confession, and also the sacrament of the altar coupled with those meditations on our Lord's Passion. Ash Wednesday has the traditional Ash Wednesday readings. Uh, the three of us pastors will be here for foot washing in the form of corporate confession with individual absolutions. So we encourage you to come on Wednesday. You've got three opportunities and then throughout, throughout Lent. Uh, finally, where is, ah, there she is, the auction marm for 2024. <laughs> Beth Berenger. I didn't wear my school marm glasses today, sorry. <laughs> okay, um, I just wanted to give you a quick update on the auction. So our 22nd annual goods and services auction, remember, is Saturday, March 23rd from 4 to 8.30. So things are moving along. We are reaching out to different places. Donations are coming in, uh, and a few gift baskets have arrived as well. Um, one thing you is that more gift we could sure.